Hi, this is Anishka Fernandopoli. I hope this talk supports you in your practice. If you'd like to support my teaching, you can use the donate button under my picture on dharmaseed.org or go to my website, anushkaf.org, A-N-U-S-H-K-A-F.org, and click on donate. Thanks. I appreciate your support. In the Buddhist teaching, it's described uh, there are three levels of happiness that are available to us. So one level is a level that's, um, I could say, like a mundane, worldly level, uh, when things go your way, or when you get stuff that you want, or have pleasant experiences in life. So that certainly is some measure of uh, happiness. And in this uh, retreat, as we're doing our practice, we're tuning into uh, the level of sensation in you know, as intimate a way as we can, intimate and continuous a way as we can. So hopefully that can actually allow you to be present more for those experiences that are beautiful experiences in life, including very simple ones that you might overlook, like something in nature or even very simply the pleasure of drinking a cup of tea. Sometimes even just walking can be a surprisingly enjoyable experience. Seeing some animal in nature or the grass flower. Second level of happiness uh, that's available to us is uh, the happiness of concentration. So as the disparate energy of the mind and body collects we have access to a sense of well-being, of integration, of wholeness from this collectedness that actually can surpass uh, any of the previous level. So there can be a, a deeper sense of happiness and well-being than anything you could find from a temporary worldly experience of pleasant in any form. And then the third level is considered the happiness of uh, liberation. So uh, having this deep-seated well-being that's beyond any changing circumstance. Uh, So being able to be uh, free from being tossed around and uh, grounded in the truth of the way things are, the deepest happiness, unshakable happiness, kind of happiness that can... uh, continue to be there regardless of the weather or your health or relationship status or political party or anything. So in this retreat we'll practice with all of these. We're practicing with learning with all of these and uh, one of the keys along the way is this uh, dimension of Dhamma that I want to talk about this morning which is to investigate feeling tone or Vedana And what this is, is the quality of pleasant, unpleasant, or neutral that's there in every moment with every sense impression. So I mentioned that what we call our life is this succession of different uh, experiences through the senses. And as each of these impressions is received with consciousness, or consciousness arises with them, there can be detected a sense of that experience being uh, pleasant, being unpleasant, or being neither pleasant nor unpleasant. Now the uh, untrained mind uh, will basically respond or react to this feeling tone, whether we know it or not. And the habitual reaction is usually, if it's unpleasant, we dislike it, we push it away there's a tension that arises because we don't want that to be there. If something pleasant arises, then uh, we like it and we grasp after it. We want it to stay. We want to own it in some way and keep it there. So there's a tension that arises from that too because it's actually not possible to keep any particular experience or sensation or feeling tone. And then the ones that we perceive to be neither pleasant nor unpleasant, uh, oftentimes uh, we space out on those because it kind of seems like nothing's happening. So among the things that are helpful to distinguish in this 
One is that it's always changing, you know, what this feeling tone is, even with one experience. So meaning even with your bowl of oatmeal, let's say, you know, it may begin that you've experienced it as uh, unpleasant from it being hot, and then maybe it becomes pleasant, and then it becomes sort of neutral as you get used to it, you know, so even one seeming thing is not really a thing, but a flow of these different uh, experiences and these changing feeling tones. Also, the feeling tone is not inherent in the thing, even though we think it is sometimes. You notice this sometimes when uh, you go to something for a pleasant experience that seems like it should reliably deliver that, and it fails you sometimes. Like, you go to look for a pleasant experience in a certain food, or sight, or a bodily sensation, and it just doesn't do it. The bubble bath, the ice cream, the sunset, sometimes doesn't deliver. So usually we blame the thing, or you know, wonder what's wrong, and seek some other pleasant experience, but... So it's also helpful to recognize, you know, there's this spectrum of pleasant, unpleasant, neutral, and um, for many of us, we're only used to tuning in at the far ends of the spectrum when it's very pleasant or very unpleasant. And it could be why we fall asleep a lot when it's in the middle, when we don't perceive it to be uh, radically pleasant or radically unpleasant. But probably most of your life is not incredibly... Uh, ecstatic or horrific, right? A lot of our life is made up of like fairly mundane moments that we're maybe not tuning into in some way because we haven't trained our attention to be able to be steady with that and to have uh, equanimity, to have some balance of mind to open. And then sometimes as we tune into things that seem neutral, we can actually detect, oh, it's actually a little bit pleasant or Actually, it's a little bit unpleasant. You know, we haven't fully uh, perceived that dimension of experience. Also, one of the keys to uh, freedom here is to recognize that this feeling tone, this tonal quality of the experience is different than our reaction to it. So it's different than our liking or disliking of it. (coughs) The pushing, pulling, that kind of uh, movement of mind is separate from the experience in the moment of pleasant, unpleasant, neutral. So why this can be freeing is that it's actually possible to know an experience, for example, that's unpleasant, even very unpleasant, for just what it is. So even, for example, an experience of pain. And some of you have probably had this experience here where there's some pain in the body and you're kind of struggling with it, struggling with it, and then somehow the mind just drops in and is able to know that experience exactly for what it is. It still is intense. You still wouldn't gift it to someone. Um, But there's a way in which the kind of add-on layer of aversion to it has dropped away, and you're just able to be with it as it is. You can be very concentrated sometimes on that. And it takes away an entire layer of suffering that otherwise plagues us in our life, and that's unnecessary. Similarly with pleasant experiences, if there's something that you like, if you're able to be steady with it without the grasping aspect, then you're actually able to know that uh, pleasantness in a more steady way. You're able to just be with that. So the way this might play out here, for example, in uh, a dining hall experience is there's some uh, food put out that you like. And you take the first bite and it's pleasant, and then you start to grasp around it. And then it becomes this whole complex that includes thinking about, is there going to be seconds? Should I get up now? Will it look bad? Should I wait? Uh, You know, all this stuff. And... Ironically, meanwhile, like you actually are eating the thing that you're thinking about possibly getting more of, but you're not present <laughs> with that thing that you are wanting more of. So, yes. 
poignancy of our delusion playing out in this way. And it really is just like the best strategy that the unawakened mind knows to deal with this changing flow of experience. So something unpleasant happens and the added piece here also is the identification with either the experience itself or the knower of the experience. So then the unawakened mind in a moment of like what to do about a difficult experience is like, I'll hate it. That's the ticket. Like, and it's so not helpful, you know, this add-on of just hating or pushing away experience. It doesn't make it go away any faster. It just adds some uh, tension. So when we learn to see things just as they are, and we can practice with this, uh, with this feeling tone, it can bring a lot more freedom, it can bring a lot more clarity, uh, it can bring a lot more... Uh, a sense of contentedness and well-being, even as everything is changing, even as all of the flavors are not in our control uh, as life goes along. So those of you who have uh, been in um, retreats and Buddhist practice for a while, this uh, aspect is also found in dependent origination, in the part of the links where it's like there's contact with something sense experience, and then there's the feeling tone, and then there's the moment of the grasping, not grasping. And it's like, in that moment, there's the possibility of uh, breaking this cycle, right? The uh, craving, clinging, grasping, becoming, that whole cycle. So we can uh, train ourselves through slowing down, through tuning into this aspect, to see clearly, like, oh, this is just as it is. It's not me, it's not mine. It's impermanent. And allow nature in some ways to be just as it is. And without the added interference of our reactivity in it. And a lot of times you'll only catch it when you're in the reactivity. So then that's okay. Then that's what you notice. Like, oh, this is the reactivity. And sometimes when you're very caught in that way, you can even kind of either trace it back or in that moment uh, try and find, like, oh, what's the feeling tone of this moment? A pleasant, unpleasant, neutral. As I said, it's there in every different uh, experience, so even in the field of thought, like a particular fantasy that's very juicy for you, or even a song that keeps going, right, like in your head over and over again. Often there's a pleasant quality to that that's, like, sticky, that makes us grasp after, and, like, want to think that more, want to get on that train. So in those cases, if we can uh, disconnect a little from the content of it and tune into the pleasant quality of it, that can sometimes bring some freedom to see that pattern of the pleasant arises, the hook, getting stuck. So we'll sit together and we can see, uh, see what we can see in this way and Uh, If if it becomes apparent, that's good. And if it's uh, difficult to notice that, that's also okay. If it becomes frustrating, then you could notice that as unpleasant, probably. So then you'll be back in the game. So So you're going to begin with a posture that feels, can be steady. Also, we can uh, try to relax the unnecessary tension that might be there. So we take our seat with dignity. You can notice in your body as you're sitting here, is there any area that feels like it's pleasant at all? And it could be related to temperature or sense of comfort, 
pleasant feeling of the air or of clothes or energy. So you can notice, like, oh, there's some area that's pleasant. That's this feeling tone here. It could be even in the experience of breath. Sometimes it can be pleasant to feel the in-breath or the out-breath. Also notice if there's any area of the body that feels unpleasant, uncomfortable or tense. Too hot or too cold. If so, you could notice that and notice the unpleasant quality of that. If you can distinguish that from the part of you that wants it to go away, from the reactivity. So this can come up even as something as simple as an itch, as a quality of unpleasantness that we want to move our hand towards to make it stop. See if you can let it be as it is. And you can see if there's any aspect of your experience that's neither pleasant nor unpleasant. So anything neutral, particularly in the experience of the body. Sometimes it can be harder to notice something that's neutral because as you look, it reveals a slight pleasant or unpleasant tone. And that's okay, it's all part of the investigation, the exploration.
Now we'll play a little bit with the field of thought and the body. So you could bring to mind something that you find slightly icky, slightly unpleasant, whether it's a smell or a sight or something. Only pick something slightly. So you bring this image to mind and notice that this is unpleasant. And notice if there's a reaction in the body also. It can bring up some sense of uh, reaction of dislike or disgust, rejection. Notice how it feels in the body, the unpleasantness of it. And notice if it changes the experience of the body as this fades. Or it could increase. So we'll try to clear the screen. Take a breath in. As you exhale, try to let that go. I'll try to conjure up a pleasant thought. So let's say of a, a place that you really enjoy being, a place in nature or maybe in, in your home, a place where you feel very happy and beauty is around. Take a notice this thought is pleasant. You can also notice what the impact is on your heart, on your body. You can notice if there is a pleasant reaction. Could be through a sense of spaciousness or relaxation, happiness. Notice how the experience of the body also changes and shifts. Notice if you're grasping after that pleasant feeling, if it's shifting back to being neutral. And notice what that tension feels like. You can let that go too. Breathing in, breathing out. And just allow yourself to breathe naturally. Just connect with the body breathing. You can stay with the anchor of the breath until something else shows up. And when it does, you can notice that, whether it's another bodily sensation thought, emotion, sound. You can label that, and if it's apparent, you can notice the tonal quality of that. But you don't have to try too hard. You can just come back again and rest with the breath. Just cultivating this sense of kind presence with the body, with life.
moment you'll hear the sound of the bell to mark the end of our sitting. And you can tune into whether there's an experience of pleasant, unpleasant, or neutral with that. And even during the entirety of the ringing out, as you listen to it, whether it varies. So it could shift between being pleasant to neutral, pleasant, more pleasant, unpleasant. Just check it out and see what it is. You know, so you can notice that, yeah, that which changes couldn't really be me or mine. It's not stable or reliable. That's just part of the changing flow of experience that's there. If we relate to it as such, it doesn't have to be a problem. can tune into this quality of the Vedana feeling tone, this valence, if it's interesting to you uh, during the day. And you don't need to stress out too much about it. Some places that are easier to notice it are in the dining hall uh, with food. Uh, you could see what is pleasant and unpleasant and how there might be a reactivity to that. Uh, or even what your expectations are of something to be pleasant, unpleasant, or neutral, and uh, how it might surprise you if you actually tune in to what it is. So it can be another way in which we have some um, ideas about how life is, but then if we're actually able to drop in to be fully present with the experience, it sometimes can surprise us. So you have any uh, questions about this or about your practice uh, today? Thanks. Um, <clears throat> I have a well, observation and a, a question. Observation might be relevant to it, but um, when I'm paying attention, I have this uh, this feeling or this visual of pages. Sometimes they're pleasant, unpleasant, neutral, and uh, they're helpful, they're informative. Like how, like if I'm in other states, I'm, I'm getting a little pissed here. I better check my gauges. Like this is you know, what, what's going on. I wonder if, um, if you think or you see any parallels between pleasant, unpleasant, neutral to uh, greed, hatred, delusion. Because neutral is kind of gageless, or sometimes I just don't. No, it's a little bit of both. And um, I wonder if that's the, the I don't know that I don't know that like delusion seems to want to, or am I just like trying to create avenues? To <laughs> yeah, so a question about this uh, pleasant, unpleasant, neutral, and um, you have to think about them as kind of gauges, and then what's the relation to greed, hatred, delusion, right? Yeah, I think it could, it could be totally correlated in that when something pleasant comes up, our habitual reaction is greed, like, get that more, make that stay. And when something unpleasant comes up, then it's like, uh, get that away from me, make it stop. 
hatred. And then uh, actually at the base of both of those is delusion, you could say, sort of underlying both of those because um, both of those reactions are um, built on some idea that there's some permanent me to experience it that needs to be protected or that can actually like get something permanently, you know. Whereas actually like with the grasping after the pleasant, it's kind of like we're grasping after smoke rings, you know, since it, that experience just goes anyway, you know, but we're like, I need that. Um, and then similarly with the hatred, where, you know, it's like something unpleasant happened, that also is going to go, but we're like, get it away, put all this uh, energy into it. Um, but yeah, and the neutral, oftentimes we space out, which is some form of delusion too. And sometimes it seems like... Um, there's something neutral, and then we we don't like that too, you know. Like like some people say, like oh, I go to sit in meditation, and sometimes it's boring, and I hate that. So I want to do something else. But then if you tune into it, probably there's actually some quality of like unpleasantness in the boredom. You know, it seems like it's neutral, but actually there's either unpleasantness or there's like a grasping after pleasure, like the possible pleasure of looking at my socks instead of doing walking meditation, or you know. Like whatever tiny shreds of entertainment they're left, you know. Uh, so yeah, I think this is totally correlated in that way. Yeah. Or I wonder if, if it's looked that closely enough, if there is a neutral. You know. Yeah, is there really a neutral when you look yeah, that closely? Is it, going to be, is it going to tip a gauge slightly one way or the other if I pay attention to it, if I even know it's... Yeah, it's an it's a interesting exploration, investigation, that a lot of times things that we... Uh, don't pay that much attention to, we could say it's neutral, but then when you look a little closer, there's a lot more there. And that's true of everything. Like, you could look at the floor and say, like, oh yeah, it's brown, it's wood. But then when you look at it in more detail, you can see there's all this different texture, and there's dark and light colors, and striation, and even raised and lower. Yeah, so it's like that with anything. Yeah, it's neutral. I don't like neutral. Unpleasant. Yeah. Yeah, exactly. Thank you. Yeah. You're onto something, yes. <laughs> yeah, I mean, this is uh, when we tune in like that, that there's uh, something exhausting about that constant fluctuation that's there. And this is, uh, you know, it's called samsara. You know, it's like this endless realm of this that uh, we don't notice, like, how unstable it is, which is why we're constantly seeking some place of final resting, you know, like some sensation that we can finally, like, own and be the same forever, but it's never possible. You know, that's like the, yeah, it's just some poignancy about our life and the way that we relate to it. So, yeah, it's good noticing what you notice. that, And it's totally like that. It's a pleasant, then there's a grasping, and that's unpleasant, and then, uh, yeah. <laughs> it's like that. So then, you know, that, you could have just noted, like, yeah, this is dukkha, this is like, the strain, stress, suffering that uh, oftentimes we might not notice. And here's where, you know, sometimes our idea overrides. Like even, for example, with um, the experience of ice cream, right? Like you get some ice cream, let's say, or some other frozen treat, and the first bite, maybe you really taste the flavor and you enjoy it, it's very sweet. But then oftentimes as you continue eating it, like sometimes the predominant experience is just cold, you know? <laughs> And then sometimes it's not even that, it's just kind of like neutral, because you got used to them and the temperature of it. But our idea in our mind is like, this is good, I am enjoying this. But then if you actually tune into what the experience is like, it could be that it stopped being even so pleasant, or maybe even it's flipped into unpleasant, but we didn't notice because we have this idea, like, ice cream good, keep eating. <laughs> <You know? laughs> Get more, you know. So, yeah, it's... it's Powerful to tune in to how things really are. Yeah. Uh, yeah. Um, yeah, about renunciation mm. and the uh, the good bad feelings associated with it. There's there's fear, and then there's letting it go, and then there's pride. Mm. And um, I noticed in terms of the gauge, 
this morning with my coffee, there was anticipation, pleasant, acquisition, pleasant, taste. I'm not sure I like this. Mm. <laughs> um, and then, and then fear of waste, unpleasant. Mm -hmm. um, and then thought it's not less wasteful to pass it through my digestive system than to put it down the drain. Right. Um, Different form of waste. And yeah. then fear of withdrawal. Yeah. Unpleasant. Highly unpleasant. Right. And then continuing to drink. Unpleasant. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, so the range of in that and the anticipation of drinking coffee and then the waiting for it and the getting it and the drinking it and then to like uh, waste and all of that. Yeah, so you're already tracking that range of things. And even in some of that, like the idea of anticipation as pleasant, um, I'd say like look at that one a little bit more closely. Like is that actually true? Because um, you could sometimes perceive any, the anticipation could be a little like leaning. Mm -hmm. You know, and is that actually um, pleasant in the experience or is there some tension there that um, could actually be unpleasant if we look at it? a little bit more. And then, yeah, sometimes it's the, the acquisition, we think it's going to be pleasant, right? But then uh, it sometimes is like kind of a like down, let down or something, you know. Uh, like this is the part of the delusion, the delusionary pattern of desire. Like we want something, whatever it is, and the coffee or food or whatever it is. And the delusion of desire tells us, like, I will be happy once I have this thing, and I'm not happy because I don't have this thing, right? Um, but actually, the, when we get the thing, if we get the thing, then we think it's the thing itself that's made us happy, but uh, what if it's actually that desire is gone that is what brings us contentedness? You know, what if actually the desire itself was the thing that was disrupting our sense of well-being, not the absence of the coffee thing, whatever, you know. Because there certainly is like a insert photo here <laughs> kind of <laughs> quality to that pattern because once it's done with the coffee, then it's the last banana or the, you know, whatever it is, like, can be there. So notice, get interested in, in feeling that pattern, too, um, as it comes up again. So it's good that you're noticing, like, that level of how it shifts and changes like that. Yeah, it's very interesting. Yeah. Yeah, so the uh, question is, should we aspire to not have feeling tones? And, and did the Buddha experience things as pleasant, unpleasant, neutral? So yeah, I think the, the continuation of uh, feeling tones is there, uh, like in experience. Um, so as long as you're an embodied human, that you will have experiences of pleasant, unpleasant, neutral. So it's only like, well, what's the reaction to that that changes? You know, what's the mental reaction to that that changes? And... In some ways, the experiences of equanimity can make things feel more neutral. You know, sometimes it feels like, oh, I seem to be okay with this, so maybe it's neutral. But then uh, you can check out, like, oh, no, I can tell this uh, tension in the knee is actually unpleasant, but it's not impacting me in the same way. Like, I don't feel like I need to scream and get out of the room or, you know, something like that. Um, so, yeah, I'd say, like, you will still have various things happen to you that are like pleasant or unpleasant or neutral, uh, even when fully awakened, but your, your, um, the way you relate to it would be different. You know? And it kind of comes to an important point, I think, that it's very easy for us to think that um, good meditation is when everything is pleasant, and like bad meditation is when things are unpleasant. Or sign of spiritual progress is when everything is pleasant, and sign of... Uh, I'm not doing this well, is when everything is unpleasant, right? Uh, so then, you know, if you project that forward, our idea of what it would be like to be, like, fully awakened is, like, the birds will be singing and land on your shoulder, and, like, everyone is going to be nice to you all the time, and always good weather, and your body always feels good. And uh, it's just not true, you know? Like, <laughs> in, even in the stories of the Buddha, uh, you know, people were trying to kill him, and... Um, he had back pain, actually, like from his strong austerity practices. And uh, yeah, there's one sutta in which he's t 
telling uh, when he's older and um, he's telling Ananda, his attendant, you know, my body feels like an old cart held together by straps. Yeah. So, yeah, you know, embodiment is tough and uh, things happen and sickness and pain and stuff like that. So um, it's not like wrong if there's unpleasant experience that you have. It's not like it all goes to neutral or all goes to pleasant, but there's a way in which I think both our capacity to be with that range um, expands. Like we don't need to turn away from the intensely uh, unpleasant or space out in the neutral. Um, and then also in some ways we get more of the range back in, in that way, but we can be with it in a steady way. Yeah, yeah sure. There's a question about sadness, anger, things like that that seem to be cyclical and come back. So is it that there's some quality of that that's like pleasant, that's like that uh, you might be attaching to, that's kind of keeping that going? It's, it's something good to investigate. Um, and many times if there's a repetitive thought pattern in which there's some um, kind of energetic fuel of sadness or anger that's coming through, um, the first thing to do is just to recognize it and to feel it, right? Because oftentimes we don't actually allow ourselves to feel that we get stuck in the story of it. And so we primarily engage with the content part that's like, they said this, and next time I'll say this, and I can't believe they said that. And, you know, so then, um, as Dory was describing yesterday, to actually drop the attention into the, the body, the heart, and then feel the movement of those sensations, right? Of the sadness, of the anger. And in that then, it could be interesting to notice, um, is there a tonal quality to that uh, and is there a way in which that's kind of activating some reactivity, right? Because for some people, for example, um, anger, even though it's unpleasant, um, there also is a pleasantness to the rush of energy, like there's a sense of power in it, right? Um, but sometimes you could be tuned into that quality of it, but not the overall uh, negative, aversive kind of sense of separation and being caught in it sort of feeling. Um, and then, yeah, similarly, even with sadness or grief, for some people there's a sense of, um, uh, yeah, almost pleasantness or like attachment to that that can sort of push you into the, um, like when it's attachment, it's like a little kind of like drama queening with it, you know, <laughs> it's kind of fueling it more. And with emotions, we want to go like kind of the middle, the middle path with them is not um, pushing them away or pretending they're not there, but also not like fueling them, overindulging them. Um, so then, you know, letting them kind of live their energetic life. So it's a good place to investigate, like, what's the relationship to this? Um, that it's coming back repeatedly doesn't necessarily mean that you're attaching to it in that way, or that you're, there's something pleasant, but it could be, so. Yeah. Uh, let's see, we're back. So a question about guilt and feeling guilty about things like cracking a knuckle or doing stuff in dining hall. And is that like the other emotions talking about? It seems like it orients towards uh, like morality or ethics in some way. Um, there's a distinction made um, in this tradition between, um, you could say like guilt in which there's a me to flagellate in guilt, right? Versus um, remorse, you could say, which could be like a wise seeing that like X that I did is not good, or X action uh, was unskillful, you could say. So that's kind of the most neutral formulation of it. Um, it doesn't even then have to be like, there's a me that did, did this that is a bad person. You know, it's like minus that, but recognizing like uh, taking something that was not offered to me uh, is unskillful, and I'm feeling actually a sense of 
remorse, sort of like wholesome. And that's considered like a wholesome thing. In fact, consider like the guardian spirits of the world, this sense of remorse, this sense of like, um, even before you do an action, thinking like, oh, this is against the grain of integrity, you know, or even thinking like, oh, people will think badly of me if I do this thing, that's not okay, right? Um, but just to distinguish between, from, from that from like guilt, which is like, I did something wrong, there's a me that's bad, right? That's sort of like, continuing to reify a sense of self that's um, also delusion too. And also it's good to kind of check out. Like, I mean, if it's guilt, if it's guilt, it is what it is, right? So if guilt is there, then feel that and feel the painfulness of it. Um, And then also you could check in and be like, okay, was that actually uh, an ethical action? The cracking of knuckle, right? Uh, (laughs) It wasn't actually, (laughs) right? Uh, Unless you intentionally did it to like disturb the person next to you, right? (laughs) So, uh, in the absence of that, like it's okay, you know, and that um, you know goes for also if people uh, are like coughing or sneezing or something in the hall, you know, like it's thoughtful to if you're sneezing to do this kind of sneeze or cough into your sleeve so you don't infect other people, um, certainly, and we encourage people to do that. But other than that, like it's there's going to be sounds, you know, it's a bunch of human beings here, so it's okay. So if you cough or sneeze. you know, you don't need to feel guilty about it, and you don't need to feel like you have to leave the hall, you know. And if you're feeling bugged by people coughing and sneezing, you could just imagine, like, you're sitting next to a bunch of dogs that are, like, itching and, you know, <laughs> like, uh, sniffing every now and then, and then you'll feel happy that they're sitting still at all. <laughs> yeah. So. All right, so... Um, Stop with the this, but you can continue to play with this during the the day today if you like. But do hold it lightly. If it feels like you're getting too stressed, trying to find in every moment some pleasant, unpleasant, neutral, just relax with it. And um, but yeah, if it's interesting to you, you could notice that. And particularly in times if it feels like you're caught in something, then uh, can kind of check out like, oh, is there something pleasant or unpleasant uh, that's this here. Uh, or that kind of catalyze this. Um, and then one more reminder is that um, if we can avoid wearing any scents, um, like scented products around, that would be um, helpful for those who have uh, chemical sensitivities and uh, make it difficult for people to stay in the hall. So thank you. So, Kate. Already did it. Oh, yeah. <laughs> oh, it's blinking at me. I might. This might go out because it's very low on battery. But I just want to say a little bit about the walking meditation. Um, so first of all, the walking meditation starts the moment you are leaving your cushion. So to think of it in that way, when you get up, that you're still taking the practice of your sitting practice and moving it now into movement with standing up and then moving towards the door. For practical purposes, you know, as you go through the door, that you're not doing your slowest walking meditation, that we all move through the door in, um, uh, in a practical way so that we can all get out there. But um, uh, to, to stay present in the body to stay um, mindful with, with every step as much as you can. And then you go find your area that, where you're going to practice. And the instructions are the same. Um, something that I find really helpful when I first get to my walking path is I just pause. I just stop and take a breath. I might close my eyes. I'll feel my feet on the ground just kind of ground my attention down into the body, you know. There's no rush to get to the end of the path, you know. Sometimes we, we've figured out, I'm going to go to there, and we're mentally already there. <laughs> Has that happened to anybody? Or you just, you've already, you're maybe three or four steps ahead of yourself. So just take your time, as much as you need. Sometimes I'll stand there for, for many minutes, just to really feel what being present is in the body. Now you can include Vedana. 
being here right now, it feels actually quite pleasant feeling my feet on the ground. I, I, I'm finding that experience very pleasant. I can feel there's sun today. I can feel the sun, the warmth on my skin, maybe a little breeze, the coolness of the air, the crispness. Yeah, that's very pleasant. And then from there, taking your first step. Temple yesterday talked about, um, even before that first step, maybe just setting an intention um, that you're going to stay as present as possible for, for that step or maybe for the length of, the, of your walking path. And that's just where you start. But you really, um, with every step, Lifting, moving, placing, lifting, moving, placing. You can start to notice the Vedana of that experience. Notice uh, if you're noting unpleasant a lot. I find that this is often uh, a bell that can go off of realizing, oh, I'm seeing the world right now through a certain filter. I'm, I'm, I'm seeing it through some kind of negative filter. And it might be that your experience is genuinely unpleasant, but most likely the fullness of experience, if you look, there's probably something that's also closer to the pleasant side. And so that might be something to notice if you're having a hard time with the walking practice and you're just not liking it or you find it uninteresting, to see is there anything pleasant with this particular form of practice? And then that might build, and that might actually be quite helpful. Sometimes um, we get a bit bogged down in the walking practice if there isn't enough interest. Mm -hmm. So finding things that are pleasant can sometimes raise that interest. So you can play with it in this way. Um, Keep your continuity, whether you're walking to your walking path or just walking down to the dining hall. Sometimes the moment food is in our mind, (laughs) our... (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> our mindfulness leaves, and we're just really focused on what's um, uh, ahead of us, even though we have no idea what's going to be served, although it's been pretty good so far. Um, but see if you can really stay with yourself. Okay, there's a wanting for food, but my feet are right here. This is where my feet are. And staying with that walking uh, sensation. Okay. So there's uh, some more small group meetings um, today. Uh, Temple's ones will be in the afternoon, so I could check the time for those if you're with him. And um, if you didn't appear on any list for some reason yesterday or today, you could let us let the managers know, drop a note, but hopefully everyone should have been in a group uh, by the end of the day today. Okay, thank you. Yeah. I saw 10 a.m. for Temple, am I mistaken? I changed it last night. Yeah, Temple changed his time, so maybe you looked at it earlier and it was morning, but now it's afternoon. Change happened. Thank you. Thank you for listening. To learn how you can support the teachers and Dharma Seed, please visit dharmaseed.org slash donate.